0: Because self and non-self, the very self is identified in the jing. But knowing who is self is this close relationship of jing and shen. So we're talking about immunity using very different Chinese concepts, both in the treatment, prevention, and in uh, doing the right approach to this aspect of immunity.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Triological. I know that I'm on to something when the thought, this might not work, rambles through my head. It used to scare me. It used to send me running to the shelter of the known with a story of safety and somehow being smart for not taking unnecessary risks. But I was wrong about that. And I was wrong because risks are necessary. Nothing changes without risk. The question in my mind these days is, am I erring on the side of risk? That comes from not moving into something new. And so my complacency and my blind spots will then be the source of my troubles. Or am I erring on the side of the novel and the new, which brings with it unknown unknowns and the possibility of bringing forth something new? Nothing stays the same, you know. It's easy to imagine that doing nothing means that things will pretty much go along as they usually do. But that gives rise to a false and Dangerous comfort that the future will be an extension of the past. This might not work. That phrase lets me know I have some agency in the world, some vision too, and at least enough courage to consider striking out in a direction that might hold some kind of potential. It's hard to see the future, but there are moments when we are given a glimpse, an insight, or a nudge. Something tumbles through your chest. It rings up that feeling of, hmm, maybe. Our lives are not prepackaged and with a set of instructions. It's the questions and uncertainty, those glimpses and those nudges that arouse the feeling of this might not work. It creates a kind of potency, a, a field of possibility. It fires up the co creative process that allows the inspiration of heaven to work its way into the manifestation of earth through our work, our play or wanting to see something different in this world, and we nominate ourselves as the one to do something about it. Any project, endeavor, or aspiration, it probably isn't worth your consideration if it doesn't come with the warning label of, this may not work. That's when you know you're on to something, that something has its teeth into you. There's a musing inspiration that has wind for your sails. There's a possibility of making a difference. And along with that, the discoveries of what works and what doesn't. There's a liminal zone at the end of the comfort zone and on the edge of uncharted possibility where dreams start to take on form. The self who starts these endeavors isn't the same as the self who finishes them. Taking on a mandate from heaven is asking for trouble, but when you consider the alternative, it's trouble worth taking on. So notice those places where you think this might not work. Lean into it. I'm back from summer break, it was helpful to take some restorative yin time at the height of summer yang. And now, we're back to bringing you new geological conversations every Tuesday morning. In a moment, we're going to get into a discussion of using acupuncture as part of the treatment for cancer. And in this conversation, we get into one of the clearest ideas I've heard yet on how we can think about the Western immune system from a Chinese medicine perspective. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AcuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast.
0: Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful
2: and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change, versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things, are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up in available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code GEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. And speaking of podcasts, there's a new podcast in town. Stacy Whitcomb, you can catch her geological conversation over in episode 17. She has launched AcuSprout. AccuSprout is a resource for new practitioners and graduates, as well as anyone who's wanting to take a closer look at their business model and practices. Believe it or not, business can be fun and deeply satisfying. Visit AccuSprout.com or look for AccuSprout wherever you like to download your podcast from. All right, friends, let's get into this conversation on treating cancer with acupuncture with Yair Maiman. Here we go. you're Maiman, welcome to Geological. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. I hear your last name, Maiman, and I think, God, that, that sounds a little bit like Dong.
0: <laughs> yeah, in China, they sometimes, you know, not able to pronounce my name, so that's what I tell them. Or Maimonides, if it's, you know, from a, if you're coming from a different root. Yeah,
1: Yeah, Dr. Dong. Well... Some friends of mine told me about your work, and and I'm familiar also with your work because of the TCM Academy and and the fine work with education that you guys are doing over there. I am particularly interested in talking with you about using acupuncture in the treatment of cancer and helping cancer patients. So often, when we think of treating cancer with East Asian medicine, people are thinking herbs. That seems to be the main thing, at least in the crowd that I've run around with. And so I'm particularly curious about using acupuncture in the treatment of cancer, because I just haven't heard that much about it. I'm wondering how you wound yourself around to that. Well, I'll say two different things about it. One
0: is that uh, I'm just now in the midst of compiling a book, The Evidence of Oncology Acupuncture, and there is hundreds of research. This is one of the most researched area actually in Chinese in acupuncture, definitely, uh, with thousands literally of of good research and and hundreds of excellent research. It is very heavily applied in cancer care. I'm personally a head of a unit in a, it's a center in the biggest hospital in Israel and and also before I was already uh, practicing Chinese medicine, especially with cancer patients, both herbal and acupuncture. So I find acupuncture extremely effective and extremely well validated. In America, I'm part of the Society of Integrative Oncology, where I'm part of, again, the acupuncture special interest group, and we are a bunch of people who are deeply interested in the application of acupuncture for in cancer care. And I must say the results are quite stunning. When I teach it, I say sometimes I unfortunately always get results because I see acupuncture is a very fine and deep method. And in, in oncology, you can really do a relatively simple treatment, especially when patients are undergoing treatments and the results are quite immediate. I can say about a few years ago, I realized that many acupuncturists are not aware both of the evidence and the efficacy of uh, of acupuncture in oncology and unfortunately as we know it's a growing field dramatically growing field so there is a great opportunity for for all acupuncturists to to be involved more in in cancer care and and i believe anyway you know even whatever you're practicing you see also cancer patient either past cancer patient or or patient who um you know are coming to you and and they suddenly have cancer so we are all As I say, unfortunately, all the time surrounded by cancer.
1: Yes, it's something that certainly is increasing. I don't see it going away anytime soon, given the kind of world we live in, the increasing population, degradation of environment, all these things.
0: Again, I must say acupuncture has a great promise in cancer care, and it is integrated in the States in in the best hospitals, you know, in MD Anderson's Memorial Sloan catering, in uh, Dana-Ferber and others, you know, all the, the big hospitals now have an acupuncture within their integrative uh, oncology setting. In this respect, uh, I think the U.S. is very much leading. I mean, we also in Israel have it integrated in all the main hospitals. And it's a grassroots movement. First of all, you know, patients hear about it. they They, they are seeking actively during, especially during cancer treatments, they are seeking relief for their suffering. And we can offer something which is far beyond what we can imagine. I mean, to me, the future is really to integrate uh, totally acupuncture care into cancer care. And I think we have all the foundations for it, especially because of the evidence.
1: What kind of things do you see acupuncture being particularly helpful with in this integrative setting in treating cancer?
0: Well, actually, it's a whole range. Let's kind of do like a short kind of (laughs) top summary. So first of all, obviously, when uh, patients are undergoing uh, treatments, whether it's chemotherapy or or radiotherapy or others, and there's lots of proof in that area. This is one of the areas that we have the most proof about it. It's dramatic. I mean, the difference between doing chemotherapy alone and with acupuncture is, is a very different experience to the patient. So this is one. Then in recovery, I think we have an important uh, play in recovery from harsh treatments that cancer patients have. And lastly, uh, not lastly, maybe before last, uh, is also in helping people who are with active cancer. They have metastasis or active cancer. They live with the cancer. They're still getting very, usually very strong medications. And we are able to increase their quality of life in, in many aspects. And I said both with acupuncture and herbs, but, you know, first we are focusing on the acupuncture part. The last part, which is, you know, a bit more uh, difficult to, we are always worried about claims. So I'm always worried about the wording I'm choosing. I will choose a word which is a bit, you know, as I said, you know, kind of, we, we need to be careful about it, but it's also in prevention. I do believe that cancer, and not just believe, we know also scientifically that cancer is a process. It's not an event. And in Chinese medicine, when we are treating patients and we are helping to balance their system, we are also preventing all sorts of disease, including cancer, because this is a, a kind of evolution of, uh, especially if we look even it from a cellular point of view, you can see it's it's the process from a mutated cells to a cancer cell. It can be a very long process, which can be stopped in different times along the way. and. Also, if you tonify and strengthening immune system, the immune system can do it also sometimes along the way before cancer cells are developed. And if we look deeply into the nature of Chinese medicine, the nature of Chinese medicine is preventative medicine. We prevent, you know, all sorts of disease. That's definitely my my clinical experience. And I've been 30 years in, in clinical practice. So I gathered quite a lot of experience and, and a lot with cancer patients. So I do believe, you know, that we are an important factor also in preventing. Uh, So that gives you the whole scope from quality of life, recovery, and potentially prevention.
1: You know, prevention, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Like you were saying, we have to be careful with claims. Prevention to me is one of the more curious aspects of our medicine because it's hard to measure. How do you measure that something didn't show up. It's not difficult to measure what is present. It's not difficult to measure what's present and changes. How do you measure that somebody took this path instead of that path?
0: Let me surprise
1: you. (laughs) Oh, I love surprises. Well, uh, not always, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, positive surprises. I've been involved very uh, deeply in research. I've published, you know, more than 30 peer-reviewed articles and and even phase two research, human research, double-blind randomized research. My current research, which we are soon will publish the pilot, is exactly in prevention of recurrence of cancer. So we took a specific kind of cancer, we were looking deeply into bladder cancer, that the recurrence rate within the first two years is around 60%. So we expect, let's say, if we take 20 people, we expect for 12 of them to have recurrence within the first two years from the initial diagnosis if their cancer was treated. I already finished a pilot of 20 patients and we have only one recurrence. And with follow-up in some patients more than five years. I have a larger group. This group I'm kind of overlooking and and researching together with a professor of uh, urology uh, and he's uh, actually from originally from Baylor he was a professor in, in the states and now he came and he back to israel and he's the head of a department here uh, so he referred me the patients it's it repeats itself all the time on all patients you know patients that we expect uh, recurrence we don't see and the reason i'm i'm doing different type of research also molecular research to understand the mechanism of action of herbal medicine uh, there's two formulas which i've heavily researched maybe i'll talk about them later it's they're called LCS it's LCS 101 and 102 and, and on the lateral one we just had a publication a week ago uh, it's more than 15 years of research on just on these two formulas but LCS 103 the one that i'm talking about now it's it's still not available but uh, we have been also researching it for the last as i said for me around 10 years and with this professor for the last few years So we are showing actually the uh, reduction of recurrence of cancer. And then this is black and white, you know, yes or no. So it's not prevention, so to speak, but that's a type of prevention because and that it's really clearly measurable. And I hope at some point we'll be able to do uh, directly phase three research so we'll have enough patients in double-blind randomized where we are showing that acupuncture, and that's not acupuncture, it's herbal medicine, is actually uh, preventing recurrence, and this is prevention. So,
1: that sounds like good research. I mean, and it makes sense too. You have this established baseline for people who have had cancer. You know, you know the numbers of reoccurrence, and so any deviation from that would be useful information. Does this work with the blood cancer. This is for herbs or for acupuncture.
0: This is for herbal medicine. As I say, there is three formulas which I've been researching. I'll maybe just give you a slight overview on my uh, herbal research. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. My research on acupuncture is a bit different. I'll talk about it later. But since we are focusing on cancer, so I've researched three formulas. And the reason I started researching is because I was the head of a, a unit in a, my previous hospital, which was the, the against the municipality because it's called Saraski Medical Center. So I was the head of a unit there. I was accepted in all the different departments in the hospital, except for oncology. Like the oncologist, literally, if I'll walk on one side, they'll cross the street and walk on the other side. They wouldn't even talk to me. And at one point, I had a, a confrontation with the, one of the oncologists. And I told him, you know, what, what's what's wrong? You know, why why you are you're having such an opposition to work towards, I mean, it wasn't personal to what what I represent. And he said, "Well, you don't have evidence." So I challenged him. I said, "Okay, so let's do a double-blind, randomized clinical trial, and let's show if you know if what I see in the clinic and what I claim is is coming up true or not." And randomized clinical trials, you know, it's the best way for for Western medicine to see. Uh, If you have something which is useful, and especially if it's safe. Because eventually research looks at two parameters, you know, safety and efficacy. So uh, I did, I think, one of the most extensive research that we have now in the West. We took women with breast cancer. We randomized them into two groups during their chemotherapy. Half received the formula, this LCS-101. Now we have it as a protectival. It's called a protectival and the other received placebo. It took about five years to recruit and finish. And then we look at the blood tests. First of all, if you do research, this is the most uh, hardest part because, you know, you have the data and you don't know if you get good results or bad results. You know, it's all, until then you are, it's everything is closed. And eventually the results were dramatic. Like if we look at hemoglobin under 10, in the real group, they took the LCS-101, the protective one. Only... 18% had hemoglobin under 10. In the placebo, almost 50%. So it's less than a half hemoglobin under 10. The same if we look at white blood cells under 3,000, almost the same number. Less than a half people have reduction in their white blood cells in the real group that was taking the LCS-101, the protective while comparing to the placebo. And even deeper, when we look deeper at the immune system, at neutrophil, the same. So it means that the formula protected their bone marrow from the reduction of white and red blood cells and protected their immune system. And this is like randomized clinical trial. And with the same formula, we continued for another trial where we looked at the quality of life. And again, there's a huge difference between patients who are taking the formula compared to what is expected. And I went on and on with this formula. I have like, I think more than 10 research. Then we went to the lab. We did the opposite. You know, usually you find in Western medicine, you find like a molecule, you try it on cells, then you try it on animals, and then you try it on human on a pilot and you go on it. We did the opposite. It's called reversing the order. First of all, I saw good results in the clinic. Then we took it immediately into phase two trial. And then we went back to the lab to try to understand how it works. What's going on with this
1: stuff anyway?
0: Yeah. yeah. One of the amazing things that we found out, there's a lot, so you know, just to give some highlights, is that it kills cancer cells, but not normal cells. It has a selective killing effect. And when we are adding chemotherapy to normal cells and cancer cells, it totally protects the normal cells and kills faster the cancer cells. All of this was published. This is just on one formula. So you can see it's quite extensive um, just on one formula. The the other formula is more on the immune system. Maybe I'll talk about it later, just not to overwhelm too much with information. But it is a very interesting path to start something in the clinic, to see that it works and to take it to research. But to take it to the full extent of research that you do human research, then you do lab research then you try to uh, collaborate we collaborated in this research with md anderson with miami children's hospital my latest publication is actually the head of my group is the is the professor from uh, harvard medical school professor of oncology to re re kind of uh, endorse our whole science of showing the efficacy and safety also we show we tested it with different chemotherapies we and everything is published. So everything I'm saying, you know, you can, uh, I can happily you send can the publications. Yeah. yeah. For people who are hearing the podcast and they want to uh, look further or if they want any of my advice, if somebody wants to go on this uh, crazy path of research, it's very demanding, but on the other hand, I think it's important. And, and luckily we have more and more research in our field. So, uh, not everybody uh, is, is, you know, likes to put his time and, and, and efforts into research. A lot of us are clinicians.
2: Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking, Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming, or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much.
1: I think there are people that also have that research been. And I'm sure that there's young people, maybe they're in school right now and they're listening to this and perhaps heartened to hear that there's a way of taking the Chinese medicine that they're studying and being able to integrate it in other ways and to be able to even bring the Western model in and see how to do really quality research and better understand our medicine. I love hearing about this formula in particular, because it, it goes back to one of the foundational things about our medicine, that there's this aspect of us as human beings, the Jung qi, right, the upright qi, the stuff that's working well, the stuff that's healthy. And we often talk about our medicine as supporting the upright and getting rid of the pathogenic. When I mean, we talk about this all the time, it's one of our ideas. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, yes, totally. Um, it just reminds me because I just finished a webinar on immune system. I can say that, again, on, on this path of looking deeper and deeper into Chinese medicine, in two, I can say, parallel paths. One is the path of understanding better the giants, uh, I think, that inherited this medicine to us and into their deep understanding of, I like to call it alchemy, because it's the alch- it's a deep alchemy that, you know, ancient people have a deeper understanding that we do. So this is one path. And another path, it's the path that is available to us now, is to integrate it with uh, Western medicine and, and Western medicine knowledge. So these two paths to me are important. I mean, they're parallel. Sometimes they meet, sometimes they depart. Already a few years ago, I realized that that there is a a great opportunity to, to me, first time in Chinese medicine history in the West, to create a situation when people can specialize in oncology acupuncture, so they can learn both paths and go deeper, and because, as I said, we see more and more cancer patients, and I find that me and also most of my colleagues who work in hospitals kind of we teach ourselves as we go along. So we teach ourselves from the clinic, from each other's experience. But there was a point where I felt confident enough to teach it, so I started teaching it. And from that point, I realized that it's the first time also an opportunity for all the acupuncturists to one time have a similar kind of background in education so we can communicate better, we can accept better people who are moving from one country to other, or if I'll go to to observe somebody in the States in a hospital and he comes to observe me or in Europe, we all have the same kind of foundational background. And for this reason, I created this uh, oncology acupuncture, it's called International Oncology Acupuncture Certificate Course, which we have by now already 350 graduates from 20 countries. It's another path which we started and we interestingly combined it online and now streaming. Because, I mean, COVID you know, created uh, both opportunities and difficulties, but
1: I suppose... It has created so. incredible opportunities in this way. I've noticed this with Geological as well in some of the classes we've done lately. We were planning to do them in person. That would have had a few people in one country and one locality getting together, but instead, people from all over the world attend. It has created opportunities. You know, speaking of COVID, you mentioned immunity. I do want to come back to oncology acupuncture. I definitely do. But I want to talk about immunity for a moment because COVID's been around, I don't know, four or five months now as we're having this conversation, at least as far as we know. And there's been a lot of talk over this time of immunity. Everybody's like, I'm using air quotes here, Boost up immunity, take care of people's immunity. And I feel like so often that phrase immunity gets put out is kind of like an advertising tag. And when it actually comes to immunity, I think if you ask the average person on the street or even the average acupuncturist, what is immunity? I don't think we have much to say about it. I don't think we really understand immunity that well. And we've got this idea in Chinese medicine about the Wei Qi. And we often think of that as being part of the immune system. My suspicion is there's not a one-to-one correlation there. So I would love, especially in this moment, where we're all still dealing with COVID, especially here in the United States, love to get your take on what immunity actually is.
0: You're absolutely right in all the statements you made. Because of the COVID, I gave this webinars on, on on immunity, which eventually turned up into seven hours webinars. And I think it was the one of the hardest webinars for me to prepare. And the main reason is because when we say immunity, we're talking about Western medical terms. And in Chinese medicine, it's one of those places when translational medicine is extremely difficult. Immune system is the most complex system in the body, in Western medicine. Uh, I'll I'll give you two extreme things just for an interest and then go back deeper into answering your question. One of the interesting aspects of immunity, not to do with COVID, is identifying self from non-self. And this immediately goes very deep. And, and when we're talking about immunity, this is like the main aspect of immunity is to, to identify self from non-self. You know, in the army, we say people are killed from friendly fire, you know, and that's what happens in autoimmune disease, you know, when, when the immune system recognizes uh, self tissues as pathogens or invaders and attacks them. So this is a very deep aspect of immunity. And obviously we're talking about Jing and Shen because self and non-self the very self is identified in the jing. But knowing who is self is this close relationship of jing and shen. So we're talking about immunity using very different Chinese concept, uh, both in the treatment, prevention, and in uh, doing the right approach to this aspect of immunity. When we'll talk about surveillance, like which is another part of immunity, uh, of like Zhang Fu surveillance, then we'll talk about, actually, again, relationship, not even on the, of Wei Qi, but of the Yuan Qi, that has the body's own recognition and knowledge, with Ying Qi, which is the Qi that is mainly in the meridians. So we are moving, again, into different aspects of, of the way the body keeps its own inner health. And when we're moving up into Wei Qi, Wei Qi is obviously the most coarse Qi, which is between the muscles... And the meridian, you know, it's it's against external pathogens. And this is a, a relatively small aspect of the, the way we protect ourselves from external pathogens. And when we look at the, in, of the of pathogens or when we look at causes of disease, we have external pathogens, we have internal pathogens and others. And all of them are dealt with different systems. So when we go deeper into immunity, we're starting to identify. And if we talk about allergies, again we are moving in, into a different aspect of of immune system. And to me, we are moving into understanding also better extramaridians and the way we respond to the external world. Because, you know, even with allergy, you can be more allergic or less allergic. It's it's again, it's a whole huge issue which every time we are opening it in Chinese medicine to a different discussion so that's why I told you this webinar of, of seven hours went through different aspects of, of what is called the immune system in the western world and in Chinese medicine it started from what you rightly say the, the understanding the Zhengqi, the upright qi, the zong qi but also the jing qi, yuan qi ying qi and, and wei chi, and their inner relationship in different situations, and uh, again, the way the body responds to, to external pathogenic factor, internal, others, now coming back to COVID <laughs> before I'm going too deep in. And interestingly enough, the main danger in COVID-19 is not the disease itself, it's what we call the cytokine storm. It's the way the immune system over-responds to this virus. And that's the SAR. This is the, this lung the respiratory uh, uh, danger, and it's mainly not due to the viral infection, but to the body's uh, cytokine storm and response to the invasion. And then we are dealing with again more the immune system, and I think the strength of Chinese medicine, which helps to balance immune system. If I look at herbal medicine, our research now goes a lot into herbs which are adaptogen which means they help the immune system to be in balance and uh, eliminating heat and toxin heat and bringing balance to the immune system is actually the key in responding to acute viral infections. And when we look at also ancient prescription, even starting from Yuping Feng San, they're brilliant in it. You know, you have herbs to, to protect the body, but at the same time to take heat and in the same time to, to enhance Wei Qi. So um, Chinese medicine is extremely, extremely brilliant medicine. And I can uh, show even examples, you know, from from research, from, from the lab, that, you know, we take classical formulas, we take different herbs, and we see the response on, on immune cells, on cancer cells, on different mutated cells, and it's almost what we expect. It's almost one-to-one, you know. I think Chinese medicine is, is definitely one of the medicine that should be strongly incorporated in the future for human health. To me, this is my passion. This is where I'm focused. Uh, I'm, I must say all my doing is towards this, this aim uh, because I think uh, there's a lot of human suffering and we have a, a amazing tools to bring to humanity. And uh, definitely, you know, Western medicine is a good medicine, but it's very restricted. I've been working in hospital all my life, started actually in America in the Lamuel Shatok in Boston, where I did my, my uh, doctorate and, and PhD and, and going on back to Israel and in different hospitals here. And what was your doctorate and PhD in? I did actually two different research projects. One was on back pains. At that point, was it was in the 80s. <laughs> so Chinese medicine was very much at the beginning. And there was this whole uh, gate theory and, and neurological understanding on the mechanism of acupuncture. So pain was like the issue that was easy to to get interest in and and to explain. So we looked into back pain and especially very chronic back pains and different mechanisms that acupuncture can help to relieve it. And the other one, I did another on tongue diagnosis and showing you know that tongue diagnosis can be a an interesting uh, tool for uh, understanding disease, but also uh, identifying different patterns. But this is back in the 80s. Uh, Ted Kapchuk, by the way, was my mentor at that time. And uh, I was very lucky. I mean, I had very good teachers. Uh, Giovanni Macioce who everybody knows, was my teacher and later a close friend. And Ted Kapchuk, uh, Peter Denman, probably some of the names that are known around the world uh, that were good teachers and later became very close friends.
1: We really get lucky sometimes, don't we?
0: Yeah, just being the right person at the right time. That's, I think, sometimes uh, later we look at it, wow, (laughs) it was real luck. I feel that all my path in Chinese medicine is due to nature support. You know, it's definitely bigger than me. I mean,
1: I hear you say it and, and I feel it resonate deeply in me. I want to come back for just a moment to how you've just put the immune system together for me in a way that I hadn't seen before. I just heard you talk about, well, let's look at the different levels, right? There's the Wei Qi, that's way out at the edge, very coarse, fierce, coarse, you know, the tough guys of the immune system. But then you've also got the, you're in the yin level, and and that's a that's another level of recognizing self from not self. Who am I? Who am I? There's a good question to throw into what the immune system is. Who am I? So many of us are going... Who am I? I don't know how things are in Israel right now. I know here in the United States at this moment, that question of who am I and where do I stand and what are my beliefs are wildly in question. And then we get to a deeper level of, of jing. What did you say? You said jing and self. I'll put it
0: in an easier way to, uh, to kind of grasp it. And again, if you'll be interested, you know, you're always welcome to, to watch this uh, series of webinars at the TCM Academy uh, website. One of my mentors was Father Lar and Elizabeth Rochard de Lavallee, who are more studying the classics. So I was very fortunate also to kind of be introduced to the classics for many years. And when you look deeply at the classics of Chinese medicine, they will always speak of numbers. So eventually everything goes, if you want to fully understand, you start looking into numbers. And and the best way is to start at the number three, because three uh, goes from heaven to man to earth. And that really shows when you say, who am I? I'm a man (laughs) between heaven and earth. And this is where we start. And this is where we should end. You know, we get confused when we forget it. And we do all sorts of terrible things and stupid things when we forget that we are part of a system and we are part of, of heaven and earth. In a very deep way, this is one of the things I had once from both Elizabeth Rosha and Fadalar, you know, about human placement. So we get the message from heaven and bring it to the earth and we get the answer from the earth and bring it back to heaven. So, so again, it's a very beautiful way to, to get a grasp of, of human life as, as, as humans. And therefore, you know, when we start looking at things from a, a wider perspective, we get clarity. Then eventually we have to go to the individual perspective in order to, to clear a, a situation for a patient and to go into a, a deeper diagnosis or, or understanding systems. So coming back to the immune system, so if we look at it from an earthly level, earthly level, we have external pathogens and we have the Wei Qi constantly uh, protecting us from from the these influences. If we go into man level, we're getting a, always on man level, everything is more complicated. <laughs> it's complicated for a reason. And by the way, everything that I say now, I always, I always teach the same, you know. I mean, if you hear me 200 times, <laughs> you eventually pick up, you know, because there is a certain theme which I, I deeply believe in. And I, and I think once we understand this, we understand Chinese medicine and it helps us eventually to, to be uh, a better di- diagnostician and a better clinician. I'm, first of all, a, a clinician, you know. I'm doing a lot, uh, but first of all, I'm a clinician. First of all, I see myself as a physician that is responsible for his patients, and that's my main role. I never give it up, even that I do a lot of other things. So, uh, to me, when I'm in front of the patient, I feel, you know, really touching heaven and earth for them, and 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 trying to to bring it to them. And that brings the deeper things about human, which we have a choice. That's why everything about us is so complicated, because of this choice. On the man level, when we look at immune system, we it's it's a meeting place of of something which is personalized, which is individualized, like the uh, the Jing and the Yuan Qi with the Ying Qi, Ying Qi which is already a Qi which we have produced, you know, from Dachi and Gucci, from air and, and food. This is on 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 the man level, and then when we go deeper into heavenly level, it's the meeting of Shen and Jing. And and that's where we see again the the, the more complexity of uh, both immune disease and and also in in from a total different aspect uh, a lot of mental problems and deep deep seated uh, psychiatric conditions you know so it all depends what we are looking at it and from in the, which dimension my personal advice always is to try to see Chinese medicine on the number three or number two. If you get this right, it's easier than to go to number five and et cetera.
1: I spoke with uh, Deborah Wolfe. Do you know Deborah Wolf? Are you familiar I with her work? No. She's in England. She's very into the stems and branches. She's a mathematician, originally turned acupuncturist. She's very into the numbers as well. Whenever I talk to her, it's always about numbers. And uh, so we've also talked about the three. We've talked about the five. I've heard other people talk about how Chinese medicine, there's always some kind of like number magic.
0: Chinese medicine eventually is, is numerological medicine. I mean, when you unfold uh, to the roots, you know, I mean, we start with two, you know. One is not a number and, and we start with two. And, and by the way, this is, a, again, we have on the TCM Academy an amazing uh, lecture, which I kind of very did my best to bring it. It was Elizabeth about numerology. One of the person who taught me the most about numerology was Fadelar and I, I definitely uh there's a nice book. It's called Oh my god, it's Ling Shu One. Sorry, it's it's Su N One and it's the monkey press and it's called Heaven in a minute I'll I'll have the name, but it's uh you know, I'm sure if you put all this <laughs> you will find you the find book. It. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's a nice black like, book about, you know, it's like in, in the Bible. If you understand the first chapter, you understand everything. So everything is in the first chapter of the Suan, and the, you know, the seven and eight and the and the changes in, on for humans. Uh, but in the introduction, he nicely talks about numbers. So I think it's really worth reading it. Um, but I just want to make a point, which is interesting, that when we say numbers in Chinese medicine, two is not one and one. And three is not one and one and one. You know, when we talk about numbers in the West, we talk about quantity. So we, we quantify things and we count them. In Chinese medicine, it's a quality. So that brings a whole different set of notions and understanding into numbers. And that's why this lecture of Elizabeth, I think, is very interesting. As I say, I'm very lucky to work with sinologists and and. Some of them are not acupuncturists at all. I don't know, probably you know Unschuld as well, Mm -hmm, uh, who like a very good translation. I also had a very interesting interview with him and some work with him. So, sinologists will bring uh, some different aspects, especially to us as a clinician, because eventually I'll talk like a clinician, you know. They'll suddenly bring this light into this, area, you know, and you start reading and looking at something that you already seen and know so many times and say, wow, now I can grasp it, you know. So numbers is definitely one of the things that I think they help us when we do, and this is where your question was started. I'm going back to the COVID question. Uh, When we do translational medicine, because what we are trying to do in the West is translate our Western knowledge, like immunity or virus, into Chinese medical terminology. And you rightly pointed, this translation can be very dangerous and can be very, I don't know what's the other word, I would say more than dangerous, can, can put us as a, a bit too um, superficial, too innocent, you know, not fully. To me, I'm a medical practitioner, you know, I'm, I practice Chinese medicine. It's a medicine. I'm not. I'm not alternative. I'm not less than western medicine in any respect and i just practice different form of medicine and this form is extremely valid so i think if we speak in western terminology without fully doing the translational work with it we do sound a bit i don't know what's the proper word to say about it without being negative but a bit naive you know
1: Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective Actually, I think naive is a really good word. I don't think it's negative. I think it's descriptive of a place where many of us start. At the beginning of most journeys, we take that journey because we're a bit naive. If we knew what the journey would require, we would have never set down that path. Being naive is its a starting place. It's not an ending place. I don't see anything pejorative in it. its It's a kind of openness that allows us into an experience that could take decades to unfold.
0: Mm. and it's true but i think in this respect also when we say immune system um if you want to tip we better talk about having a system which is adaptogen with which allows the immune system to function in its best balanced
1: way and through all these different levels
0: yeah again if you'll if you look deeper, actually, when we look deeper into Chinese medicine as a preventative medicine, one of the reasons we can actually touch on that area is most of disease are having some form of inflammatory uh, processes in them. And one of the things that we are seeing more clearly now in in research in Chinese medicine, and in, in, in research today is going into mechanism of action, so we really looks at, at different biological factors and markers, so we see that we are actually reducing inflammation. And In herbal medicine the same. A proper herbal medicine, we see a reduction of uh, inflammatory markers and biomarkers. And this is, by the way, when we talk about cancer and cancer uh, treated uh, treating well, cancer is because we are bringing this aspect of reduction of inflammatory load and inflammatory markers. And a lot of um, medication which are used for cancer and cancer patients actually bringing more inflammatory load. So, we are helping the body not just to recover, but also to prevent further inflammation. And inflammation, as we know, brings mutation, and mutation brings cancer. So, this is when I talked about our research on, on preventing recurrence of cancer. Uh, and we have already a pilot uh, number. So, you know, I can speak about our numbers from the, the pilot study. One of the pathways, one of the reasons we can do it is, I believe, again, this is, we haven't fully investigated, is one of the reasons because we are reducing inflammation. So uh, when we talk about inflammation, when we talk about balancing or, or, or having adaptogen effect on immunity, I think we are talking in a better preciseness than a boosting immune system. I mean, boosting immune system is is.
1: It's a marketing, you know, it's a marketing yeah, term.
0: That's what I mean. It's it's not, I mean, it's not Chinese term, you know.
1: Right. Well, and a lot of people, I know patients will come to me and they'll go, I need my immune system boosted. And I'm always like, well, how do you know that? Well, I don't want to get sick. Well, the idea is that you don't want a super strong immune system. You want a well-regulated immune system. Because if you've got a super intense immune system, then you end up with autoimmune disease. It's looking for a fight. You want an immune system that functions properly. And I mean, I don't know about Israel, but I know here, at least in America, we usually think more is better. So more air quotes here again, immunity equals better immunity, but that's, that's not the case. What we want is something that functions well at all the levels. And that each of those levels are interacting with the other levels as well. I love your model here of the Jing and the Shan and the Ying and the, you know, I'm just, it's the first time that I've heard it described that way. And yet it's, it's one of those things where I hear it and I go, oh, that's how those things can be weaved together. I, I see the potential.
0: I think weaving is a, is a good word because we're looking at a network. Mm-hmm. And we look at the network which weave itself. So actually, you know, the words we are using sometimes are more putting us in a, in a better um, accuracy as far as Chinese medicine. And if if I can suggest the word instead of immunity, I would use vitality. Ah, I think that would yes. be the most appropriate word. You know, if, if people would say, you know, we are enhancing your vitality or, or strengthening your vitality, you are much closer to the concept of qi. And you are, uh, in a way, one step aside from the word immunity and boosting immunity, which you refer to loosely to Western medicine, where, as I said, it's much more complex. And as you also described, uh, we, we are actually, in a way, either, you know, too simplifying things or not very accurate. So I think vitality leaves us in a, in the right realms when we talk about Chinese medicine and tonifying qi or balancing our body. Um, so I think in this respect, I, I always like not to talk just about immunity, but also to talk about vitality.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. It Again, I hear that and it it lands very deeply. I'm looking forward to the next time I'm in clinic and the word immunity comes up and I'm looking forward to inviting my patient into a discussion of vitality and what it is that brings them vitality because I can do certain things with needles and I can do certain things with herbs, but what they do to manage their own vitality through whatever kind of person they are and whatever kind of relationships they have, that to me seems like a very powerful and key aspect to wellness and well-being.
0: Yeah. Cause I think then we can really bring the best of Chinese medicine and understand that, you know, you can create a better vitality and, and, and therefore a person can sustain better pathogens and everything. And it's not necessarily through tonifying lung or wei qi, it's through bringing them to their best. And I think then we are on a more accurate path as far as our medicine. And it allows us a much a wider, I always feel Chinese medicine in essence is personalized medicine. So it allows us this personalized aspect To be there and, you know, 10 people, you increase their vitality in 10 different ways and it's fine. You can check some of their immune function later in the lab or blood test, which I'm doing, and they will be all enhanced by different methods. So eventually you get in Western medicine this better immune function. But in Chinese medicine, we are actually enhancing uh, their inner life in different ways. So I think we are more accurate to our profession and the results are... What people, I think, are hoping in their mind is the better functioning of their immune system.
1: Yes. Well, I I think you stated this uh, just a few minutes ago by talking about numbers and that when we look at the number three in Chinese medicine, we're not talking about one plus one plus one. We're talking about something qualitative as the interaction between two opposites and the unity of those opposites. And Western medicine is very good at quantitative. There's a place for quantitative, but if you're only looking through the lens of quantitative, you'll miss what's qualitative. And one of the wonderful things about our medicine is it is highly qualitative, which makes it often hard to understand from a Western perspective, challenging to study. I really appreciate the work that you've been doing and being able to find those intersections between the qualitative and the quantitative to to build these bridges between the two different perspectives. Very, very helpful. Thank you for your work.
0: As I said, one of the reasons we set up this uh, international oncology specialization is because this is one of the places when we can easily bring Western knowledge and the evidence that we have with Chinese knowledge and put them together in a way that it's like you can see it's really unique to our time in life. So you can see that the evidence are not conflicting and they can easily be used, you know, for our type of medicine and the same vice versa. So to me, to to create uh, something which is solid and, and practitioners feel comfortable, both in the quantitative world that we live in and being able to quote research or explain, you know, to patients or to... By the way, we have some of our graduates are oncologists, radiologists, so we have also a lot of Western medical people undertaking this course. Obviously, they have TCM background together with, you know, lay practitioners and, and, and you know, people who just finished school. So it gives them both the understanding of the science, the translation, but also not leaving the Chinese medical side suddenly as a, as a secondary. So having the quality and the quantity living well together, which is the story, I think, of our 21st century. You know, we, we are in a very special times, now even in a more challenging special times. And I think for a reason, I, I think, you know, there's uh we are at a place where uh, quantity and quality can meet. We are at a place where uh, matter and energy are not seen as opposition, but as a transition. I think our medicine helps very much to explain something which is lost in medicine, which is healing. You know, uh, Western medicine, when you take the quantitative path, you look very much into intervention. And we are bringing something which is called healing. And to me, uh, this is the the key reason why we are thriving on, on this time in, in human history, you know, when on one hand, you know, you, you get all this... Uh, amazing. You can go into the DNA, the RNA, you know, like with the COVID, you can really go into the structure of everything. Uh, But in the same time, there is this great interest in this ancient medicine, which is so uh, simplistic in a way, but so deep and is bringing something which is lost. And this is this bigger picture. And this bigger picture, I think it's core for human life and healing. So, and it's totally not a quantitative, it's a qualitative it eventually it can be quantified but that's that's the the side issue to me when we treat that's cancer it's the side, issue. Is the side mm-hmm. issue you know i do research for me research uh is is really the side issue It's just to prove what i see it's not to and to get people to listen and and to be able to create a change i know that without facts you know we will not be listened i've, I've been working enough in in hospitals and and with colleagues who are western medicine scientists and and doctors and and they need this kind of uh, proof. And also, in some way, we can also use it to enhance our medicine. Maybe we do another podcast. I'll just talk about different research that we are doing and showing it. So you can, we can also use Western medicine to our advantage. But mainly we need now, and I think it's happening already, we need to quantify uh, some of the things we are showing just to to be able to to be incorporated better in the health system.
1: Well, it seems to me that the scientific method is a fantastic tool of inquiry. There are many tools of inquiry, including meditation, which is much more of a qualitative, subjective view, has its place in this world. But the scientific method, at least as I understand it, is this set of tools that allows us to set our biases aside or to somehow be able to notice what our biases are and be able to see through to what the reality of a situation might be. There's absolutely a place for it. I know it gets often a lot of bad press in our Chinese medicine community. Oh, that's just all reductionist, and they're not looking at the whole picture. But sometimes we need to really focus down and and look deeply into something. And it seems like the tools of science, the tools of inquiry, I think of the scientific method as a tool of inquiry. And why wouldn't we want to bring another tool of inquiry into the work that we do?
0: The bottom line, I won't talk about all the complexity of of science and the way it's practiced, but the bottom line, you ask a question and you went on the objective answer so that's that's the the bottom line of of scientific inquiry. Uh, so you look for tools to get an objective answer, but obviously it's stained with so so many other things on the way. But as all human endeavors yes. are, I'm a total optimist.ic I'm actually terrible optimistic. So I, I will see in everything the positive. It will be very difficult for. I mean, I'm realistic as well. So I, I see the problems, but eventually my mind likes to focus on the optimistic side. So I and and I do. So I'm, I'm extremely, extremely lucky, you know, and, and fortunate, I can say, and thankful uh, to be involved in science with good scientists. So, you know, they they could contain me with, with my vocabulary and, and my kind of thinking. And it took them a while to some of them, you know, to, to realize that there is another way to express uh, health. Maybe now we are coming to the most important thing about what we were discussing in the last few minutes, which is communication. You know, I think science enable us to communicate better with the world, the Western world. And also when we're starting to communicate better, we are listened better. So so it's it's to me that the key part in science is actually the a type of communication which is so needed in order not to be a niche and not not, not to be alienated and not to be uh, just on the side of, of the, the, I can say the medical activity, but to be in the center. When we look at situations like viruses, I think, you know, we have so much to offer, both to reduce uh, suffering, to to create a a, a better um, ability to deal with the disease. I mean, eventually the, the biggest fear is, is the death. And if you can, have any influence on the mortality and morbidity, uh, then the whole situation looks different. And I think uh, in China, they've done it. Unfortunately, you know, we, we, the science that is coming from China, we don't know how to assess it at the moment, but I'm sure they're doing, and I'm doing a lot of good things. You know, it's just, again, it's a matter of communication. They're not communicating it well for us. So communication is more important than science, as you can see, you know, you you can do science and not communicate it. Uh, well enough so it's not only the the, uh, the science but, but I think the more we realize and, and I'm coming back to some of my activities are very much geared toward understanding you know as human the most important part is the heart and the heart houses the shen but the heart also is opening to the mouth and it's to do with communication so everything about human is to do with communication the better we communicate the better we are as humans, so on all levels. So to me, also the same with our medicine. The better we communicate the medicine, the better we are doing something good for that medicine and for humans. And and science is definitely one of the things that uh, our community should learn how to communicate. We should communicate more with each other. I think I told you in the beginning, one of the roles that I took now is I'm the, the president of the ETCMA, it's the European TCM Association, which has thirty association from twenty four countries. And one of the the reason I took this roles is also to enhance communication, not just externally but also internally. Uh, I think we we don't communicate enough internally. You know, practitioners tend to be too much isolated in their own doing, and also as associations, we are now I'm creating a. I'm very close to the American Association, to the ASA, and to uh, NCCOM. I'm also NCCOM uh, licensed. So, you know, I know the the leading people there personally. So it will, uh, and to me, there's also an important part that will communicate, you know, Europe to America. Uh, Three days ago, I gave a big webinar in Australia. So uh, also due to COVID, you know, we can (laughs) more easily travel (laughs) anywhere in a few minutes. We need to communicate also more internally. And part of the things that we need to communicate is to learn how to communicate our medicine out, but also to have a better inner, to facilitate inner communication. And in this respect, I must say I'm envying Western medicine. They're doing it in a much better way. And this is one of the strengths. Uh, one of the strengths of Western medicine is this constant communication and constant uh, exchange. And I'm hoping, you know, we'll see it more and more in the coming years. And I think also as a profession in the West, we are maturing, we are growing. Um, I think in in the States, you know, things have been very well established over the years. Uh, 20 years ago, we wouldn't dream that it will be so well established. So things, as I said, I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. And the States actually is a good model for the rest of the world from uh, education wise and, and working well and being accepted. And Israel also we are very lucky. I mean we but we are <laughs> we as Israel, you know, we have no rules and regulation. We just regulate ourselves. So uh we do what we want and and, and luckily we, we are given a lot of open space. So uh
1: huh. And it's somehow you've been able to self regulate within that
0: you know it's it's a country of startups we we are known to be the nation of startup and one of the reasons yes, of course one of the reasons is because you know nobody obeyed too much rules and regulations so it's it's taken in the in a, again it has a positive side where you can initiate something and be passionate about it and you can forward it even into the mainstream uh, on all levels so uh, so Israel has been very advancing. We have Chinese medicine in all the HMOs, in all the, the secondary medicine. I believe by now about 80% of the population were exposed to acupuncture. Doctors refers to, especially neurologists and orthopedics, some oncologists. It's, it's again, much more restricted there. But still, they all know about it. They're all open to it. So I think we serve as a kind of grassroots uh, movement model in a space where there is less resistance from the regulatory uh, path
1: yes we're talking about the number three again we've got different polarities it's about how we bring those together with a kind of communication that can embrace the two different sides right we're taking heaven and earth and connecting them through being a human i so appreciate the time that you've spent with us today to bring some of these ideas forth. I, I think we probably need to sit down and have another talk at some point in the near future.
0: Sure, it will be a pleasure. I think we touched on a lot of uh, different aspects, which I hope will resonate with people that hear it, and they will take it to their own inner path and, and enhance it. So thank you for providing this opportunity. Thank you very much.
1: I always appreciate an opportunity to consider some of our difficult to grasp Chinese medicine ideas from a perspective that both allows me to see through the lens of modern times and to tap into the clinical experience that I have, but maybe have not yet put into quite a concise languaging to express those thoughts. This conversation wove together some of those loose threads, and I'm curious to see how this shows up in my practice in the next couple of months. the voices of our community.